Hey, welcome to the Lyric House Church podcast. Our mission is to host a house for him. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our live service. Make sure to check out our Facebook page for details about upcoming events and information on our small groups that meet throughout the week. Thank you for being part of our broader community, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. Good morning, church. <laughs> Glory to Dios. Jesus Cristo Masfuego. Spirit de Santos. Está aquí. <laughs> I wish I was really fluent in Spanish. Did you know? Well, I felt like I was when we were in the taxi and I was talking to our driver. In Mexico. The driver just looked at him like he was crazy. No, he didn't. He understood what I was saying. You're right. But I was reminded the other day, I was out on this job site that we're working on in Leewood, and Hayden was out there with me, and a couple of the guys that are there actually helped do the stonework inside of here with us. And uh, so when we were remodeling this building... It was on that wall right there. One of the guys, he's a Hispanic guy, and he, he shows me this video on his phone. And on, the fo- on his phone, there's this uh, preacher from South America, and people are getting slain in the spirit, and they're falling out. And he goes, do you believe this? Do you believe this is real? I'm like, yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, I've fallen out like that before. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. So then the day goes on, and... Uh, it's probably six in the evening, seven in the evening, and we're finishing up for the day. Were you here? You were? Oh, yeah, I couldn't remember who all was here. So who else was here? It was just you? I know there was like three of us. Austin, you, yeah. Maybe, I think it was just us three, wasn't it? Uh, Alexis. Alexis, yeah. So he had been having major stomach issues. And he had gone to the doctor, and the doctor were saying that they were going to have to, I can't remember what he said. Do you remember what he said, Hayden? Yeah, his liver, that's what it was. They were going to have to cut out a piece of his liver or something. And I said, well, I believe in a God that can heal. And I believe that God's going to heal you. And we all come around and we start praying for him. And I never prayed in Spanish before, but I started praying in Spanish and started speaking just words in Spanish. And other words just started flowing out of me. It was the Holy Spirit. And yeah, it happened like right where you're sitting, actually. And he, right there, yeah. And six hours prior, he was skeptical of falling out and he fell out. Right here, yeah. He was the first one to fall out in here, actually. And probably the first healing that really took place in here as well. Because then he went back to the doctor and he was completely healed. And he never had to go back and he's been perfectly fine ever since. Oh yeah, when it, he was terrified. When he come up, he, he wouldn't come around me. He was like, <laughs> like this. Because he didn't understand what had happened, you know? And he had just showed me the video and he was like, you believe that? Yeah, I do. And now he does too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we were talking about it last week, and 
yeah, he was just so thankful and grateful and he was trying to, he was sharing it with his brother and it's just amazing. God's amazing. Even, even in our doubt, God shows up and, and just reveals himself like none other. Ah, we love you, Lord. You're worthy to be praised. It's an exciting life we get to live with you. Moment to moment to moment. I love the fact that you're in the very microscopic moment of all things. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You have notes? Yeah, but I probably won't use them. Go ahead. Tiff's walking us through the first chapter of the book of Acts. We made it to verse 5 or 6 last week. Made it really far. Yeah. <sighs> um, one of the things that... One of the things that I forgot to mention last week... I'm going to try to get it together, guys. Making no promises. Um, one of the things that I forgot to mention last week was... Jason and I had been talking about really wanting to do the book of Acts and just kind of what that looked like and what the word, what the Lord was speaking through it. And we, we weren't quite sure when we would do it, but we knew that it was coming. And Jalen had told me that, because um, Jalen's our children's leader and um, she's, she's amazing. And um, she said, uh, mom, I'm getting ready to get a new curriculum for the kids. And basically she was like, I need money to buy the curriculum. And because I normally just let her pick what she wants for the kids. And I was like, okay, can I see it? Just, I don't know. I, I don't, I've not known all the ones before that. And I was like, can I see it? And she's like, yeah, I'll send it to you. And it was on the book of Acts. And I was like, I see what you're doing, Lord. And so um, as we're going through the book of Acts, so are the children. And I believe she said it was, um, there was like 18 lessons. And so, uh, they're going through it just like we are. I think that there was a couple more lessons than books that, that which is good because we're not going to get through every chapter every week. So um, it just confirmed in me even more that as a family, as a body, even our children are going through the book of Acts. And so got me pumped for it. Yeah. Did you want to go over five again? You had mentioned that. Go over five. I just wanted to hit on the part that, you know, right there when uh, John's baptism was prophetic immersion into the water of us being baptized into Christ. And I mean, basically the first thing John does is publicly proclaims what his mission is all about. And basically how right in that moment there's a mind shift that takes place from the law of works into the remission of sins. And that word remission there is total cancellation of a debt. And I just... I know from experience that it's so easy to get wrapped back up in that way of thinking. And when we do, we lose our identity and who we truly are in him for that moment. And I just really wanted to hit on that because I don't think we really hit on that last week. 
but it's pointing to our true spirit and our true identity, our new creation in Christ and who we are. And how we've been co-included and jointly immersed in oneness with him in that baptism. One with the Spirit, seated in heavenly places at the same time. Right here, right now, in this moment, you are seated at the right hand of the Father. Did you mention that? Did you just say, I was getting my shoes on, so I didn't, I, I missed it, but did you say that? <laughs> did you say that? No. Do you guys, like when you go to turn a corner or there's a lot of traffic, you turn the radio down, you know, it's like, or I just, I feel like I'm getting older and I can't multitask and I'm like, everybody just shh. Anyway. I, yeah, I have to stop what you're doing. Anyway, but did you mention that like we seem to forget it? Is that what you were saying? We go into that again. I'm just saying there's moments where in our mind will fall back to the old man, the old way, the law of works, putting our eyes on ourselves and the things that we're doing rather than staying focused on him, the one that created the way, that is the way, that never shifts, never changes. He is and is and will be and always will be there. It is so good. included in righteousness with him and grafted into his kingdom with it inside of us it just blows me away with the depths that he takes his children if they're willing to believe it and go we just gotta believe one six the reason I ask that is because we see that the disciples struggle with the same thing and so we see that they're the Lord is talking to them and how they respond is uh, six says every time they were gathered together they asked Jesus Lord is it now the time for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom their minds are focusing on them <laughs> right their, their minds are focused on who got what, what they believe. They walked with the King of Kings. They seen miracle after miracle. They seen what they captured. He captured their heart and they found this first love. And then they're like, is it now? Okay, so if you're going back, does that mean it's now time to, to reclaim Israel? And it's so like, literally put that in my notes, how we continue to do that, that we, and our hearts are right. Like our hearts aren't meaning for it to be all about us. We don't mean for us to, to take this kingdom and make it to where we want it to be about us. And God, is this is it now the time for you to do this for me? God, is it now the time for you to answer this prayer? And I think so many in the church today, our prayers aren't adoration. Our prayers aren't unto the Lamb. Our prayers are a list of what we need and a list of the things that have gone wrong. And then all of a sudden, we get what we prayed for, and then we 
there's no need, there's no desire to need to go to the one that answered that prayer. And it's this mindset of, is it now time for you to bring glory back to Israel? And I remember this time that I was, we were here, I was at the coffee shop and um, one of our, our pastor friends was in here and he was talking and a little old lady came in and she noticed her pastor and she was talking to him and um, we were talking about the Lord and she heard our conversation and she, she was standing there and she said, somebody said, oh, God is good. And she said, bless her little heart. She didn't mean anything by this. And so I don't even know who she was, so it doesn't matter. But she said, he is good to me. He's always answered my prayers. And I stopped and I was just like, yeah, I just smile, you know, because she just didn't mean anything by it. But it like punched me in the gut how we tend to think God is only good when he answers our prayers. And again, she was just, I mean, it's true. Like God, he is good. He does answer our prayers. It's who he is. And she probably didn't mean it like this, but it made me start thinking about why we say God is good. Is it only when he's come through for us? Is it only when we're healed? Is it only when that bill got paid? Is it only when we're walking in and the, the, that season of life being easy. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like things are going good, things are going good, everything is great. And then it's like, oh, well, that's hard. Yeah, your car broke down. Yeah, it happens, it's life, right? God is still good throughout that. Like he deserves to be recognized and he deserves to be good whether he answers any prayer that I ever pray. Um, the truth is, is he's... He's brought closure to every destructive mindset that we could ever possibly have if we allow him to close it. Jesus is wanting the disciples to focus on what they're about to do for the kingdom. And their mindset is what the kingdom is about to do for them. And he goes on, though, because he doesn't stop there. I do, I wanted to, I was thinking about something. Before we go there, I was thinking about something, and I might have mentioned this, I can't remember, but um, before Trust was born, I was pregnant, and got pregnant and lost the baby. And um, it really wasn't like this super tragic thing, and I probably mentioned it before, it wasn't. Um, wasn't ve- it wasn't a very big deal in the sense of I wasn't very far along, we hadn't even really had time to tell anybody. But the act of what I felt like a prayer not being answered and and actually seeing in the physical and and this worldly mindset of the doctors were right. I will never be able to conceive. I went through all of this, spent all of this money to be able to have her. And I'm never going to be able to have a baby again. This is what they said. They said I had less than like 10% chance or something. and that they were right. And, and all of the things that I could have read and Googled and, and asked other people that, that it was nearly impossible for me to have this baby that he had promised me. And in the natural, it was true. I was literally losing. I mean, I not to get graphic, but I held the baby. Like, yeah. Anyway, um, so I'm seeing, I'm looking at this promise that wasn't fulfilled. I'm looking at this promise that the world is telling me is never going to ever happen. And in that moment, I could have been like, okay, God, none of that was real. And I were, uh, you aren't as good as I think you are. And none of this is going to happen. All of these dreams, all the dreams that I had of her getting older, it's not going to happen because the world is telling me and showing me that it's not. And I, like, I'm going to be honest, like there was a part of me that there was that flesh in me that really struggled with that. And so when, when I did get pregnant again, I 
probably with my words spoke out what I wanted, but there was a part of me, there was a piece of me that was like, what if this keeps happening? What if I just lose baby after baby? Is that fair to my children? Is that fair to my husband? And I had to make the conscious effort to say no and stand on the promise of God. And if I didn't see it that time, fine, I didn't see it that time, but I'm going to get back up and I'm going to stand on the promise of God of what he promised. And I had to choose to say with my words, with my heart, that God is good, regardless of the circumstance. I don't think it's not, it's, I want, I don't know, like it's, I want to say it's not easy, but what other choice did I have? What other choice did we have? What was I going to do? Stand firm. Stand firm. What's that scripture? I know Tim knows it. The stand one. Stand therefore, yeah. Just continue to stand on the promise. Yeah. He's good. (laughs) I didn't hear what he said. He's good whether we see the miracle. He's good whether we see the healing. Because he's in it. His answer is yes. His answer is amen. (laughs) I missed the whole thing. Always, oh, Tim's not even up here, and he's making fun of you. Like what? <laughs> Jeez. The best part is JD. Like, you guys, you know what's in Genesis? <laughs> you know what needs to happen? JD needs to preach, and then he can pick on Tim. How about that? Yep, yep. Oh, it's happening now. No. Oh, it's happening now. And the Lord was on it. It's done. Pick a day. He's like, Amanda, come, come let's prepared go. prepared next Sunday. Next Sunday. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. A little bit more time. <laughs> he's going he's to get prepare sick. prepare for just like a 10-minute message. What's that look like? 10-minute message. Okay. All right. I have no idea how we're ever going to get through this. We're not. Um, so verse 7. He answered, the father is the one who sets the fixed date. So this is after the disciples say to him, hey, when are you, is this when you're restoring Israel? And he says, the father is the one who sets the fixed dates. And the times of their fulfillment, you are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. And Jesus stopped thinking. He's saying, stop thinking about worldly matters and stop focusing on the flesh and stop thinking about my spirit. He's, he's not really like... They're not in trouble. He's not like, guys, I don't, I swear you're never, I've walked with you. He's not getting on to them. He's refocusing their mindset. He's telling them, focus on the why. Don't focus on the when. It doesn't matter. He's saying, focus on the why. And I think it's because if God was to tell them, listen, it ain't going to happen in your lifetime. Like, you're not going to see this. And and he was to tell them, like, you're going to work really hard and you're all going to die martyrs. Then, Then would they have done it? I don't know. Like if God was to tell us how hard our journey would be, how that the hills and the valleys, would we do it? I want to say yes. I mean, every one of us want to be like, yes, Lord, we will. But when we see it face to face, like what would our answer be? And he's telling them, focus on the why. I'm trying to give him space to say anything because we all know I talk too much. So I've been told. I didn't say that. No, you didn't say that. You're smart. (laughs) 
Um, and last week when we talked about how when we're going to be sharing the book of Acts, this is, we want this to kind of be more of... Um, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if we're trying to say that it's like a Bible study, but if you guys have um, comments, if you guys have anything that you want to insert or questions that you guys want to ask, then go ahead and do that. And so I'll try to like make sure that there's space for you guys to do that, so that we're really learning, so that this is a teaching time, and that we're learning and we're diving into this book. And I don't know what it looks like after this book. I don't know if we'll do another one, but but just taking the time to really understand what the Word of God means and helping to answer questions and. Um, so if you guys have revelation for me too, that would be amazing. I'm always open for that. Okay, so moving on. Eight. But I promise you this. Hey, hey, did you get the scriptures on there? Yeah. But I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power. And what God wanted is he didn't just want for God to, he's, what he's doing here is he doesn't want God just to be with them. He wants God to be in them. He knows that's what's going to make the change. And we know that that word, the power is, um, when I, we're talking about that word power, it's dunamis. And so it actually is like dynamite. So wrap your head around this, guys. God is saying to the disciples that you will be seized with power. It's going to take you over. You're going to have this power that's like dynamite. That's not an easy, like he's not just saying, oh, you're going you're gonna to have a little bit of power. He's saying explosive. like explosive. All of the power inside of him is now going to be inside of the, the disciples. But it didn't stop there. It's inside of every one of us. The power of God is inside one of us. And, and then we're whining about things. And I know that we, I, I say this a lot because I'm also trying to remind myself of it, that we're, that we're asking him and we go into this place of like begging God in a sense. And he's like, he's told us that he has seized us with this dunamis power, this power that's, that's, that we've never, it's unheard of. It's like, we've never seen before. It's this super abundant power that God has put inside of us. There's nothing that he can't do and there's nothing that we're not capable of. And this is what he's telling the disciples is going to change the world. And so they're worried about like, is Israel being restored? He's like giving them this inclination of like, you have something so powerful that's coming for you. And this is what's going to change the world. Then it goes on to say, but you will receive power when the spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. This is one of our, this, this is one of those Bible verses that gets everybody excited. Hayden, are you excited? Yeah, are you listening to me? Are you? Oh, it's okay. If, if it's a pain, you don't have to do it. But this is a but this is a Bible verse that you see, like, quoted, and, and people will, um, you know, they'll be called, and they'll be like, God said to go to Jerusalem and, and to the ends of the earth, and we get really excited about going and going and doing and, and serving the Lord. But when we break it down and we're understanding what he's talking about, first of all, that word witness is martos, which is actually could be witness, messenger, could also be martyr. And so what he's saying is, you have all kinds of power, get really excited and go to the ends of earth and then be prepared to be a martyr for me. And the disciples know what he's saying. Like they understand that, they're living this. They, they see every part of what he's explaining to them. Well, 
What's that look like to be a martyr for Jesus? And Holden. Or just in everybody <laughs> in your personal life, what's it look like? Anybody? Not afraid to be persecuted? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I think that we use these really Christian-y words and say things like die to ourselves and God use me however we want, but then it gets hard and we're like, but God, this is really hard. I know you called me to this, but it's really hard. I don't, like, we're not wrapping our mind around what it really means to die to yourself. It means that you don't care what people say anymore. It means that you don't care if, if, if you're, the gospel that you preach is popular. Oh, I like it. Good job. Good job. Um, it means that you don't care if you give your last dime to pay for somebody's groceries. It, it means that you don't care if you don't have money for groceries now. I mean, like, this gets real, guys. It, it means going into places and potentially embarrassing yourself because you can't help but preach the gospel. You know, Jason has stood on tables. There was a Chinese restaurant, and he stood on a table and preached the gospel. Like, I know that's not persecution. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying he is dying. In order to die to our flesh means I don't care what people think about me anymore. And that's part of it. <laughs> Are you raising your hand? Oh, okay. <laughs> and so... The important thing I think to take away from part of this is that it says that you will receive power mm -hmm. and you will be witnesses. So it's not our flesh, it's not us, it's not our desire, it's the Holy Spirit who empowers yep. us to be witnesses to Jesus. Yes. Yeah. To the end of the world. So when you're like, when you're thinking of being a martyr or whatever, like you don't have to have fear because the Holy Spirit's gonna empower you to say what needs to be said. And we fortunately live in a country where most places we can freely speak who Jesus is in our lives and people can listen or they can't listen. But there are some places in this world that you can't go and freely say Jesus because you will be killed for it. And so that's what, to me, being a martyr means is to, to not have fear of man and just speak and like yield yourself to the Holy Spirit because I also believe that the Holy Spirit's going to lead you where he wants you to go and I don't believe that everybody has to be a martyr for Jesus um, but you know if you're if you're really in tune with the Spirit he's going to give you the power and he's going to send you where you need to go and he's going to give you the words to speak that you need to speak to people at that time and it's really not you that has to do it. Like, I don't have to say, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. If, if Holy Spirit says, Amanda, go to Jerusalem, then I'm going to go. I'm going with you. Can I go tomorrow? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> it's so good, yes. And that, I mean, like, that is, I think, and that's the main point of this. And that's why he tells them first the Holy Spirit is coming and it's going to seize you with this power so that there is no fear. There's no, I can't, because, right, I can't do it in my own strength. Like, there's nothing inside of me that knows how to do this, that is capable of doing this. But when the Lord gave us the Holy Spirit, now we are capable through him. And it, you're, it's all, I mean, like, there's so much to that because it also doesn't mean it's, like we think of these things um, about being a witness, being a messenger for, for Jesus. And, and that could mean something even small like um, 
you know, like being brave enough to go teach in, in kids' church or going to somebody um, at Walmart and just saying something like, I love you. Actually, what if it's not even like, um, it doesn't have to be something that you went and you did and you took a selfie and you posted on Facebook. Don't do that. I think most of the time it starts out in small steps anyway. Yeah. Small steps of faith that grow into to bigger ones. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. And that's why he says, first to Jerusalem, then to Judea, then to Samaria. And so he's making a point there. We hear those, we hear those things and we're like, yes, send me out, Lord. But what he's saying with Jerusalem is he's saying right here, right in our families, Lord, Lord let me be a witness to my children first. Let me then alongside of my children with my husband then let send me out god send me to my town not all and we've been to africa like we've been to other countries so i'm not saying that it's a bad thing but he's putting this in order and he's saying first jerusalem first judea and uh, there was a time where i like that's what i wanted to do and i felt like i was called to do and i didn't know how it was going to work with with our family but that was what we were called to do until we got here to hold and the lord was like tiff i need you to bloom where you've been planted and i was like here this place like that doesn't make any sense um and then of course jason's absolutely in love with this town so it's here i'm even starting to sound like him <laughs> <laughs> Did I just embarrass you? No. I do not have cowgirl boots, though. So I'm just saying, like, no, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Although when we went to the rodeo, I thought Trusty really needed a cowgirl hat and boots, but it didn't happen. But I think she does need them. She does. Yeah. So I, do you? Yeah. Anyway, no, I'm not doing it. I don't even think they make right, boots right? that big. No, my goodness. Anyway, so. Just what the Lord did in my heart and what he's showing me. And so this scripture is so powerful to me because God is reminding us, like, go first to your families. Go first to, to your influence, your circle of what's around you. And then when he calls you out, or maybe he didn't call you out, maybe, he, maybe you disciple someone that then went out and was able to minister. And then with Samaria... Or maybe you become more aware of opportunities that just show up. And then you begin to step out because the Lord will speak to you and... And you'll be nervous at first, but then the first time that you ignore the voice of God and you don't do what you feel like he wants you to do, then you're going to, I don't know, I mean, you, what, I don't want to use the word condemn yourself, but you just feel really crummy. Yeah, 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 yeah the enemy condemns you. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, and then, then, then we beat ourselves up, you know, yeah, through our own thinking. But God's not mad at you. He's prompting you and encouraging you to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, to go out and just be his child. Just be us, yeah, right? Yeah. Like if we can minister, if Lisa and I could sit on that couch and talk to Jesus, then Lisa can go to Casey's and talk to someone about, about Jesus. And absolutely, no, they may not want to hear it, but that's not her fault. That's not your problem. That's not her problem if they want to hear it. Right? It's not, that's not your business. You just preach the gospel. <laughs> but, and let's practice on our kids. Like, they can't go anywhere, right? You know, just 
come in, say, hey guys, let me tell you this and, and teach them, let this be a common occurrence in our homes and let it be normal that we talk about Jesus. Like, I don't think that like, like there's like if we talk about healing, if we talk about scriptures, if we talk about Jesus, like that is so normal in our household that that our kids don't even blink, you know. Um, but it wasn't always like that, and that's what the Lord is saying here. Like He needs our Jerusalem to be impacted, and He needs us to pour into that. Um, and that is what he's saying to the disciples because that's where they started. And then as he keeps going and he says into Samaria, the remote places of the world, like he knew what he was talking about there because he's saying the whole world will know me. But he's also t- kind of giving them this hint that this this gospel will reach to the Gentiles. And I think it's just really cool that they're just so oblivious. Do you feel like the, the disciples are always just like, oh, yeah, let's, Jesus, yeah, where are you going? Like they just, they don't get it. They didn't understand. We're not like the disciples. We get it. Okay. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're trying, we're, we're figuring it out. He knew what he was doing, right? Tell us, what did it mean? Yep. 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 Who was the woman from Samaria that he that Jesus reached? Do you guys remember? Yep, the woman yep. at the well, who was the first female evangelist. Yep. She's like, "Why are you even talking to me?" Yep. This was not just a command to do something, but a call to fulfill what Christ had made them to be, or de- does it destined them to be? So they're called to walk in this action. He's telling them, like, this is the next step. This is where we're going. And in Acts 1.9, it says, right after Jesus spoke those words, the disciples saw him being lifted into the sky and disappearing into a cloud. I want to, like, I want to kind of clarify this, too, because I was, why did I imagine when I read this? Why did I imagine this, like, cartoon Jesus um, and, like, floating on a cloud away from them? And that's not what it's, that's not what it's describing. It's saying that, that he, let me read it. It says... Yeah. It said, right. It says the disciples saw him being lifted into the sky and disappearing into the clouds. And so, like, I, I feel like they, as far as they could, like, they watched him disappear into the clouds. And I think it's really cool just to imagine, like, if I just imagine their faces, like, I mean, he did so many things that maybe they just got used to it. But, like, if you imagine standing next to Jesus and him just disappearing in the clouds, I don't know. I'd probably try to run after him. Like, not yet. Don't go. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And it says, as they stared into the sky, watching Jesus ascend, two men in white robes suddenly appeared beside them. They told the startled disciples so that we know that they weren't just like, bye. They were just like, startled. Galileans, why are you staring up into the sky? I feel like the angels always made him feel stupid. Like, what are you guys doing? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but he will come back in the same way that you saw him ascend. I want you guys to remember that scripture. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going, but I want you to remember where it says, he will come back the same way that you saw him ascend. And this was the end of Jesus's earthly life, beginning the life of his church. And which is part of why we're getting, um, we're talking about Acts and what um, we're going to be getting into as this church.
I think it's beautiful. It's such a beautiful moment. Like we think of the disciples and we think about how they were. I wonder if they were just like looking at each other. Did they ask questions? Like were they, where, what was their, where, where was their mindset? But then you think about Jesus, like he knew that this was the time, like this was the fulfillment, this was the day, that, that he knew that they were ready, that it was time, that, that it was going to be this day that now he gets to go sit at his rightful place, that he gets to go back and sit at the right hand of the Father where he belonged the whole time, that he walked through literal hell, he walked through hell to establish what we have today, and this is his moment of getting to go, and I just see him, I know he, he's he's resting, he's working, he's doing all of the things because he's Jesus. But just imagining that day of him getting to go and be next to the Father and take his rightful place, that he never actually left. That's what the disciples were about to start walking in, and they didn't even realize it. Yep, yep. <laughs> yep. All of the signs, wonders, and miracles now get to be continued through us, his church. And the disciples had no idea. Like they, they didn't know what was coming for them. They didn't know that releasing the Lord and watching him go, what the Lord was actually leaving with them. It's so good. All right, in Acts 1.12, the disciples left the Mount of Olives and returned to Jerusalem, which was less than a mile away. So I want to hit on the Mount of Olives a little bit. This is one of those things that we hear about all of the places, like the landmarks in Scripture, and we don't always put them together. But I, have, I found a couple of different places of where it talks about the Mount of Olives that still exists today. This is where David tried to escape Absalom. Remember his son that betrayed him? This is where he went to escape. And he went to escape because he, um, he was trying to get away from something, right? This was for himself, and he was dis distraught, and he was complete. It's, I mean, it makes sense, right? His son was betraying him, and so he escaped to the Mount of Olives. This is where Solomon, David's son, built a shrine to pagan gods. And I'm sure that there's many more in the Old Testament. But then I start getting into what Jesus did here. And I, I, I just kind of imagine, like, this was Jesus's. This was, like, his secret place. Like, he, it, he goes to this area quite, quite a bit. He goes there often. This is where he spent time with Mary and Martha. This is where his triumphal, triumphal entry before his crucifixion was. Um, and it's where he stood 
And I believe it was, I believe it was in Luke, and it's, it's where he stood as he wept over Jerusalem. And so as he's weeping over, essentially, if Jerusalem is our family and, and our influence, is where he's weeping over Jerusalem, and he's, and he's praying and speaking to the Father. This is also a part of where the Garden of Gethsemane was, and so this is where we know that that, um, that time that where that portrayal happened as well. So there was a lot of things that happened on that mount, and that is where he chose to ascend from. So remember where I told you guys right above that when I was talking about, um, what verse was it? Yeah, where am I at? I'm on 12. It was, it, I believe it was 11. It was just right above it. It says, Galileans, why are you staring up into the sky? Jesus has been taken in heaven, but he'll come back the same way that you was sent. Okay, so in Zechariah 14.4, so if it's so, the Bible is so cool. And when you start really digging in and you start putting pieces together, you can see where the, the prophets and David and all of them were ministering and prophesying about Jesus. And so people that say Jesus wasn't in the Old Testament just aren't actually reading it because so many occurrences that we're seeing happen have actually already been prophesied. And so the prophet Zechariah says, Jesus will return not only in the same way, but in the same place, just like the men had told the disciples. And it says, on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, and on the Mount we we will split in two from east to west, forming a great valley, with half of the mountain moving north and half of it south. And we just see that like, all of the answers, everything that they're walking through, the disciples would have known this. Like they would have known that this was prophesied beforehand. And so as they're just like completely awestruck, I wonder if that was the moment where they're talking, they're like talking amongst themselves and 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 saying what they have learned as when they were younger, or maybe maybe they were teaching each other at this moment. You guys with me? There's two of you. That's wonderful. Okay. All right. 113 through 14 says, Arriving there, they went into a second, a large second floor room to pray. Those present were Peter, John, Jacob, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Jacob, Matthew, Simon, Judas, and a number of women, including Mary, Jesus' mother, his brothers, Judas, the son of Jacob. Obviously, the other one has passed on. And a number of women, including Mary, Jesus' mother, his brothers were there as well. All of them were united in prayer, gripping with one passion and interceding night and day. And this was actual. So the room that they went to is the upper room. This is the room where Jesus was with them beforehand. And so they had this room that they all went and gathered to. And what is so good, so good is that their first idea after he ascended was to go pray. Because they knew that was the way to be closest to them. They knew that that was the, the quickest way to be in the presence was go to pray. And I love how they just all went together. And like, those are my people. They, and they could have went and done many other things. They could have. They could have done anything. But they said, I want to go and I want to pray and I want to intercede. And, and I, I just want us to be together. There's just this hunger I feel on that, you know. This hunger of, let's just, let's just go pray. Let's just see what what happens let's let's just be together and, and just be in the presence of God in the upper room and Acts 1 15 says during this time Peter stood up among the 120 believers are you guys good with reading the Bible is everybody okay okay good because there's this is quite a long verse during this time Peter stood up among the 120 believers who were gathered and said 
Fellow believers, the scripture of David prophesied by the Holy Spirit concerning Judas had to be fulfilled. Judas betrayed our Lord and led the mob to the garden to rest him. He was one of us, and he was chosen to be an apostle just as we were. He earned the wages of his sin, for he fell head first and his belly split open, spilling his intestines on the ground. I like this version because I like the graphic. Everyone in Jerusalem knows what happened to him. That's why the field where he died is called an Aramaic ha ha. How do we? I listened to it this morning in Ha Eldam. We had it down perfect uh, this morning. I, we did. We were like singing it. It was so weird. Hakel Dama. Hakel Dama. Sounds great. That is the bloody field, for it is written in Psalms, and that's actually Psalm 69:25. And it says, "Let this house be deserted and become a wasteland. No one will live there, and also let another take his ministry." And that's actually in Psalms 109:8. So the first one was Psalm 69:25, and the second one about letting another is Psalms 109:8. And so what they're doing is they're making this decision based on what David had wrote earlier in the Psalms. So then in 21 it says we must choose his replacement from among those who have been with us the very beginning. So there, there's these. They have these standards, and so this is going to be important as I keep going. They have the standard of, well, he had to have been with us. He had to have been with one of Jesus's, um, one of the followers of Jesus. And from John's baptism until Jesus' ascension, so from the beginning until the end of his earthly ministry. And like us, he must be a witness of his resurrection. They proposed two candidates, Joseph, who is also called Barsabbas, the just, and Matthias. They all prayed, Lord Yahweh, you know the heart of every man. Please give us a clear revelation to know which of these two men you have chosen. And 25 says to be an apostle and take Judas's place because he renounced his apostleship to go where he belonged. And one of my kids asked me once, they were, I don't, I don't remember what we were talking about, but they said, Mom, do you think that Judas went to heaven? And the reason they're saying that is because in Matthew 27, Three through five, it says, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief and said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Um, and he threw, the, he threw the, the pieces of silver and he departed. But then, he said, then it says he hung, hanged himself. And so whenever, my, my, whenever one of my kids, I can't remember, it might have been Jace, I don't remember, um, he had said that. He's like, but mom, he was remorseful. And so there was this conviction and there's this what looked like repentance, right? And so he was like, did he go to heaven? And so it really made me start, and I got excited. I thought, maybe that would be great. However... If we read in John 13, 27, and it says, When Judas ate the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus looked at Judas and said, What, are your, what you're planning to do, go and do it now. And so it says there, it shows us that at the Passover, when Jesus was sitting there before the crucifixion, that Judas had, um, that this, it said Satan had actually entered Judas. And right before that was, it's just interesting that right before that, Jesus has handed him the bread. And we know that the bread represents what? his body and so he's offering this to him he's saying Judas like you have to pay attention to everything that Jesus is doing in here and he's saying Judas will you take my bread and he's offering him salvation he's saying don't do it because guess what guys we all have free will everything that we do we get to do or not do Judas didn't have to do it at this point yes it was prophesied yes that he followed through with it because Satan entered him but he didn't have to do it and he said here will you take take this bread and Judas knew I mean I think that the, like Judas knew he knew what was going on and he still made the choice and in his heart he made that choice and then you know our, our buddies the disciples still were just like everything is great like they still didn't get what was going on 
And so then that's what I like that's what I'm talking about of why it's so important to read scripture to be able to answer these questions for our kids, diving in, reading the reading the words and saying, Well, I, I don't believe he did because it did say and so so many people will say, Well, it was because he committed suicide because he hung himself. And I believe that it's because it said that the enemy that, that Satan, the adversary entered Judas and then he made his choice. Comments? Somebody tell me I'm wrong. I would love to be wrong. I mean, I think so, but then it tells us in 25, it says to be an apostle and take Judas's place because he renounced his apostleship to go where he belonged. And so they're stating that that is like where he went and the place that he went to. As repentance, yeah. himself before. Yeah. Are you asking a question or are you just stating that? I was saying, I yeah. wasn't sure if he had done it before. Oh, did he hang himself before? We believe so because it said that after he had done the, given the silver, that he went and hung himself. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Are we going to say Katie? About that scripture of denying the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. Well, and there's so much to that actual scripture. Like we know now that to be able to renounce the Holy Spirit, they had had to have had him. Right. And they didn't, he didn't have him yet. So, um, we should probably teach on that one day, but there's a lot, like, there's a lot to that. There's depth of that. And so, so many people, um, and Amanda said it once, Amanda said, I don't think it's possible. And I'm like, I'm in agreement. Like, how can you deny, <laughs> oh gosh, we don't have time for that. Like there's so much to it. And, um, um, but yeah, I'll just leave you as a cliffhanger. I know that didn't really answer your question, but Amanda's going to teach on that. <laughs> Yes, she is. And her and JD are going to do it together. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, where were we? Hold on. Let me find this. What were that? What was that in context of? Mm-hmm. I think he was talking about his disciples. Mm-hmm. These are the original 12. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I 
Yeah. How Jesus Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so beautiful to me, and I agree, and so beautiful to me, though, how pure Jesus' heart was. Like, he knew it was coming. He seen it. And um, I think that there's so much to the, gar- the Garden of Gethsemane and, and Jesus spending his time there, but knowing, like, what it felt like to have someone that you chose. Like, do you know how many men and women wanted to be chosen as one of the 12? That he chose him as his closest friend, like, as one of his closest um Followers, and he set him apart. And if you guys have ever watched um, watched The Chosen, like I, I, it hasn't gotten too far into Judas, but you see him, like you see in, um, you see in script in this in the show where he's excited at first. Like it's he wasn't always like this. It was this this betrayal came from a place of jealousy, just like at the beginning of time, like just like from the beginning in the garden, like it doesn't, it doesn't change. He wanted what Jesus had. I don't even think he cared too much about the money guys. Like it wasn't even that, cause what would you do with it? Like what would he have done with the money? It was, it was more this, um, power and this is, and I mean, if it, if it says the adversary entered him, that was a big part of it. Cause it's not and a, unbelief. Yeah. Yeah. But we see that Jesus was close with this man, and he like he knew. He, we see in the Passover, we knew that he knew what was going to happen. And whenever he came, he said, "Do what you came for, friend." And he still called him friend. And he didn't he didn't throw him under the bus. He didn't tell the disciples what he was going to do. Like he still walked this out, and he still was this man of integrity. Yep. Yep. And I think his whole heart was in it too, you know. Like any one of us. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Seeing the bigger picture. And in 26, they cast lots and determined that Matthias was the Lord's choice. So he was added to the 11 apostles. So I want to talk a little bit about casting lots because I think we've all heard this and we've heard about um, about them doing it. We don't actually know what it was. And so we find out through history that there's not a lot of information about it. But it shows that what happened was the, the disciples would take like smooth stones and they would write on them and they would um, like toss them and they would just say, um, for lack of there wasn't a whole lot of information you know they would be like if we if we cast this one it's Matthias if we cast this one it's um, Barabbas and so whichever one it wins it but and it sounds so silly like it sounds like it sounds like um who who gets to be the first one out paper rock scissors go paper rock scissors you watched me (laughs) but it does right like it seems like such a silly game that you could I mean this is a big deal like we're we're talking about the 12th disciple and they're just like let's play a game to see who 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 gets to be in this place but it was it was how they decided back then like it was it was what they did so that it's all throughout the old testament but the thing is is this is the last time that they speak of casting lots in the new testament because now the holy spirit comes and that is who determines and so it wasn't just the, like the Jewish, like even the Roman soldiers who actually had dice, they would cast lots back then as well. So I just thought that was a little bit, um, some interesting information. We see that like in Jonah, they casted lots. Um, what else did I write here? Um, Joshua to determine how to divide the, man, the land among the Israelites. It was by lots. Like how, lo- how mad would you guys be if you were like, 
I get I get one because you ca- because that's what you got on your stone. Like I just it's like they did. The Roman soldiers cast lots for Jesus's his clothing. Um, but then I love how it's just. But that's it. Like not again after um, the Holy Spirit comes. So anybody trying to get crazy thinking that they should cast lots. It's also where the term lottery came from. And so what? <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say, but what were you going to say, Dave? I was going to say, when you were finished, I didn't want to interrupt. But, uh, you know, Jesus picked all of us. Yeah. And he picked the guy. Yeah. A lot of people believe that, except for Paul wasn't in there. It wasn't part of the requirements. Paul wasn't there from the beginning of when John was baptizing. So, because I, I, I was studying that out too, like why wasn't it Paul? But that wasn't part of the requirements that the disciples said that it needed to be. It's interesting, huh? Well, Paul wasn't here yet. Right. Paul yeah. was still out there persecuted. Right. He's a couple chapters later. But what Dave is saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that Paul should have been the 12th disciple. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Right. But then that didn't, that wasn't part of the requirements of what the disciple looked like. And, and so they, what they did is they chose Matthias. And it's interesting because we don't hear a lot about him, but we know because of the requirements that he had to have been there from the beginning from John. So he had to be there when John was baptizing. He was there uh, throughout Jesus's ministry and that he was there at the crucifixion. And I just think this is a beautiful picture of God just displaying Somebody that he was there and he was serving and he came up, he wasn't chosen from the beginning and he was serving the Lord and he was coming next to these men and sticking it out when many people didn't. Like you have to understand many, many people did not stay with Jesus and they were like, oh, guess he's not going to restore us. And so even probably part of the, the, his followers, they, they decided that they were going to leave after the crucifixion. But Matthias stuck it out. He's there from the beginning. And I feel like this is just God, like this was a beautiful surprise for him. Do you think that Matthias, he had no idea that he would, he had no, none of them knew. They didn't have this understanding that Judas would betray Jesus and that there would be a place to fulfill. At all. Like they, that wasn't a thing that ever crossed their minds. And the fact that, imagine what that felt like that Matthias was like, I, what? Me? Like you chose me? I mean, I know it was casting lots. It was just kind of by luck, but it's me. And so not to count, not to count ourselves done. And I just feel like the Lord was speaking to that so much. Like he was chosen after it seemed like everything was finished. This was after he even ascended and, and Matthias was chosen. And it actually means a gift of God. And so I think it was just prophetic of his life. It was just kind of like he didn't, he wasn't important. He didn't seem like there was anything that he could do for the kingdom. And then at, at the end, the Lord rose him up on his own timing and gave him this, this position of honor to serve the, to serve the kingdom of God. Does anybody ever, I, I feel like that could speak to so many people too in here that, that we can so often be like, oh, God would never choose me. God would never have me do that. And then how God chose someone that was least likely, but because he stuck it out and he was there from the beginning. It's good. I had to preach, Tiffany. Good job. Right. Thanks. 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 Yeah. They, um, were you know it says someone who is they were with them from the beginning they've been faithfully there serving faithfully there 
the Bible has to be condensed, but there's this idea that everybody focuses on the leaders and everybody's looking at the, the leaders because it's trying to convey and communicate. But, you know, Jesus talks about the 70 that he empowered and went out. Then he talks about the 120 that he empowered and went out. It wasn't just the 12. Yes, he had the 12, yes. but even in the 12, he had three right. that he that he brought in even closer and what happens is we have a tendency to focus on the 12 or the three and then you can sit in church thinking oh i'm just here it's not it's not about i'm not important i'm not important you've missed god's purpose and plan in this and it's that we every one of us matters and we all have a calling and we all have something to do and it's about being faithful and being there because they it says when the 70 went out they came back rejoicing all of them lord even the demons are subject to us in your name we saw powers and signs and wonders and of course jesus says don't rejoice in that you know and rejoice that your name is recorded in heaven is what he tells them but but the point was every one of them you could have wrote a story in the book of acts about their experience that they had out there and then you don't even hear about them we don't know their names we got to hear two of their names when they got called up to cast lots but everyone then it did it with the 120 had the same thing we don't know their names we don't know their stories heaven does and my point in this is do not do not get disenchanted with god's call for your life because you might not be standing up there because heaven is writing a story about you and if you will be faithful you you the, the, the bible says they who know their god will be mighty and shall do exploits and it just because we can't record even about and i'll be done but even as it says with jesus if everything jesus did was recorded on everything he did john says i don't think there'd be enough room on this earth to contain the volumes of books that would be written to record everything he did while he was here so don't lose hope don't lose heart don't count yourself out because god is your god and you have a call and if you will be faithful you will be mighty and do exploits these 12 guys couldn't do all of it this church exploded and went crazy from house to house to house to house 12 guys could not teach and minister and and bring the gospel in the way that it did it took a community of believers that were faithful and the last thing i want to say is this for leaders pastors and and mindsets let us choose from among us those who are faithful and have been here from the beginning he didn't say let's take in applications and resumes to see who out there is worthy god trains and rises from within and brings up and trains up from within so do not despise small beginnings and if you feel like you're not important quit looking at yourself and start trusting what god has said about you and just take one step at a time one day at a time and god will put you where you need to be and ministries need to quit trying to look out and see who God has brought them to build with. So good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus had just left. Jesus had just left. Mm-hmm. They didn't have Holy Spirit. Right. In the natural, there's only one way to go when you got a group of people who it's very hard to come into agreement on anything yeah so they just did and fell back on what they had done all their life yeah yeah but how beautiful that the lord was in it 
you know, I mean, because it goes on, it doesn't talk about, you know, we don't hear, like you're saying, like we don't hear about Matthias. We don't, how many names that did great works that we don't hear about? How many of us came from lineage of people that did great works that we don't hear about? Because we'll hear about the bad ones. Like everybody knows about great, great grandma that was, I was going to say a stripper, but then I was like, don't say that. And I did it anyway. Uh, it's no filter here. Um, but you're right. Like we all hear about the bad things, but I don't know anybody in my history that preached the gospel. I don't know of any women that were passionate about the Lord or, or even my grandpa, grandparents, you know, Jason's grandpa was chief redhead. So we know he was important. Uh, but it's, it's, I was just telling Jason the other day, how much I want to know, man, how much I want to know the men that poured into Billy Graham, the, the, the men that taught or got Bob Jones saved. Like, I want to know, I want to know about their walk. I want to know how many people they say, was it just him? Like, was it just Billy Graham? And I think you looked it up. It was like his pastor or maybe youth pastor or... It was like another evangelist that, or even with like Todd White, I, if you guys know who he is, like he's well known, like he's, everybody knows what lifestyle Christianity is. He, like, he's got a, a large uh, building he's got a school, but Dan Moeller, who Todd learned everything from, like every, I, I can't, every time I listen to him, it rocks my world. Like what about the people that look like they're behind the scenes, but have done these great works. And honestly, guys, like that's, that's, and I've said this before, like, I want that for my kids. Like, I don't, I don't want my name to be known. I want them to, to grow up, and I want them to be raised preaching the gospel. And if their name is known, whatever, I don't care about that. But just being powerful and mindful um, and, their, and with their fruit and with their words of who God is and, and my name never to be mentioned. Um, being mothers and fathers in the faith to be able to pour into people. Like Tim is discipling Hayden and Hayden is, is like, he's so excited about it and he's talking about it. And maybe one day he will go and he will travel the world and share this, but it's going to come from this place of, of what my, the, my fathers in the faith have taught me and, and shared and then how they encouraged me to dig into this word and, and to know this father. And we've said it a hundred times that Tim and Melissa have like take the credit for us meeting the Holy Spirit and knowing who the Holy Spirit is. And that, that, that Sunday that, that we walked into their church, we'd been in church for years and never knew this God that we know now. And so... Tim's name may, and Melissa's name may never be known to this world. There may be people that are like, who? But heaven knows it. And heaven has, and, and their walk with the Lord is why we have a church here today. And while you guys will do the ministry that you do, and, and maybe even potentially some of your children knowing the Lord. So I want to talk about the people that aren't, that aren't important and, and maybe the world's eyes, but heaven is rejoicing. We did it. We finished the first chapter. Good job, guys. Good job. All right. Any input? Any questions? I love Stephen as well. Yeah, I do too. Yeah.
that seemingly yeah. as you're reading comes out of nowhere. Yep. Yeah. All of a sudden you're like, oh, who's this Stephen character? Yep. Who's this Philip guy? You know what I'm saying? Like they come out of nowhere where you're like, what? Yeah. And, and it's like mighty miracles of power. Yes. Well, and, and we're going to get into it, but like, and Paul, like why Paul has the walk that he has because of Stephen, like there's so much to it, but yeah, that's mighty. He's mighty. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay, here's our babies. Yay! Hi, Lydia. I like your crown. Oh, yeah. Where's your crown then, Megan? Okay. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that was perfect timing. So somebody's going to pray, not me. Somebody else is going to pray. And then... To pray us out. We will be done. Mike's really hot. So. Hold up, hold up. We're not praying ourselves out yet. We got a word of wisdom from Matt here. No, I don't know about wisdom, but just on the casting lots part, it said somebody told me how to use a microphone. I'm not used to. I'm loud enough generally. So when then they all prayed, Oh Lord, know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle. Just going to the casting of lots to me means that they're praying about it and that's putting their faith in who wins that yeah that's good that was that was the only way they they really had like they were still giving it to god but it was like god who's it gonna be yeah <laughs> I just said, match, pre match preaching after JD, and Amanda literally said it too. So get in your word, be prepared. You never know what's going to happen. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Oh, Father, we just love you. We're so thankful for, for who you are and for what you've done for us. God, we're thankful for your word, your word that brings life, your word that is truth, your word that brings fruit. God, we just love you. We worship you. I just pray that everyone has has a great week. I pray that that they put you first, God, that they consider you in all things they do. God, I pray that everybody opens their word this week and receives revelation, revelation that they can carry to other people. God, I pray that our hearts are open to where you lead us. Holy Spirit, I just pray that that we all yield to you. We allow you to do what, what you do. We allow you to, to use us in the way that, that you've created us. God, we just love you. We just worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.